Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have a Hall of Famer in our books in the LA area with far as it comes to basketball and basketball culture, Chris Young. Ghetto Bird, whatever they want to call him, man. He is a legend, man. Um, awesome to have you here on the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you've been doing and sharing your story. I had to have you on here just to share it with the world, man. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, we look at the wall of hoop movies. Your favorite movie up there. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have a couple, but your favorite hoop movie and why? Oh, he got game. Um, a few reasons why. It's funny because where I used to live at, before I had all this hair, people used to say, I live at Ray Allen. So in my, <laughs> in my, I don't want to call it a project, but they used to call me a Jesus when I would come home. Um, I remember my summer job had an interview. You had to go to like the orientation. And I was like, I skipped the orientation thinking I was going to be, I was keep the job anyway. <laughs> so I had to go see He Got Game the day it came out. And then when I went back to school to try to get my job back. They were like, nope, you missed the orientation. So, I wasn't this on Ray Allen, right? No, Ray Allen. Allen the people. Uh, Denzel, <laughs> all that. No, yeah. He Got Game was definitely my flick for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, before the show started, guys, he was literally going through every movie on the wall and how he's a couple of degrees of separation from all of them, man. Just uh, a true hoop, uh, hoop head, you know? And so pretty dope to see that connection that you have with all those movies. You being in Coach Carter um, as one of the players, right? For, yeah, I was on the high school team. Yeah, my high school team. So, yeah. yeah. So... Um, so we're gonna hop right into it, man. Let, the first question I like to ask is, uh, when did you fall in love with basketball? Um, that's interesting because I really wasn't sure when I fell in love with basketball until I started sharing my stories. Um, I think I fell in love with '88. I mean, I fell in love with basketball in 1988. Um, and the reason for that was, and it turns out to be that was the year my father died. Mm. So it ended up being that basketball, even though basketball has been an up and down thing for me. It is a safe haven for me. So, like, 88, I think I fell in love with basketball, but I didn't play on my first official team until 89, and I didn't get my first pair of J's until 89. Nice. So that was kind of like a, yep, running. 88, 89 is when I fell in love with basketball. Yeah, man, that was, that was when basketball was, I think, at a at a turn in the culture, right? You had mm -hmm. Magic, Bird, kind of fizzling, and yeah. then you had the, the – Bad boys coming in, the Jordan era coming yeah. in. So great, great time in hoop. Yeah, mine was Dominique Wilkinson. Ooh, I like it. Something uh, a little different. Dominique was my favorite player. I, I remember in 88 with my father before he died, being mad when Dominique lost that uh, dunk contest in Chicago, but still hadn't played on a real organized team. And then a few months later, my father died. And a, few, you know, a couple months later, or not a few months, a few months later, that summer of 89, I played on my first uh, organized team. Awesome. What was that? What team was that? The Rancho. Rancho last year. Okay. You know, back in the day, <laughs> that was the breeding ground. Rancho was the, the main spot. You know, they have the new gym now. I'm mad they tore down the old gym because it's like if that was like if you how the Drew is now is like this how Rancho was back in the day for uh youth basketball. You had to play Rancho. So that's dope. That's dope. And so uh, was that AAU ball or was it kind of just community ball then? Was yeah, AAU basketball really wasn't no. It wasn't a thing. I wasn't a thing back then. That was just Go up there, sign up, and they pick a draft, and then you find what team you're going to be on. You know what I'm right. saying? It wasn't yeah. a politic, and I want my kid to play here or not. Ten of us, and you had a girl on my team. You know what I mean? So right. End up having, I was the youngest, end up having a future city, all, all, uh, all city player on my team, two of them, and a girl on my team. So it wasn't no real politics behind it back then. 
Got you. And then from there, so uh, your playing career. So where did it go? You went from Parson Rex on to high school, and what was your your you know your experience in high school? Well, my high school experience um, was pretty tough. You know what I'm saying? So I went to Audubon Junior High School, which means you either go to Dorsey or Crenshaw. But once I saw Crenshaw High School, uh, once they came to our school to talk to us, I was like, I want to go to Crenshaw. I kind of like want to go to Crenshaw. My auntie went there, but I knew I wasn't going to wear us to Crenshaw when I was coming out of uh, junior high school. So, but, you know, looking back on it now, I probably shouldn't have went to Crenshaw because I wasn't that good. I wasn't, I was short and I was still learning how to play basketball. But at the time, Crenshaw was like the number one, number two team in the city. You know what I'm saying? So my 10th grade year, I was the last guy cut on the JV team. You know, back in the day, you go up there and your name was on the list. And then you yeah. see it. And then if you don't see your name, it's over. You know what I mean? But I competed with the best guys there. My junior year, I got kicked off the JV team because me and the coach was getting into it, um, which is odd because if anybody knows me, I'm super coachable, but the coach was just in this that stage of his life, and he sends a pot of guys every time he sees me, he apologized for what he, you know, for, because he was, it was tough. It wasn't like it was, you know what I mean? He might've got canceled if he did that now, you know what I mean? You couldn't do some things you could do back then now. And um, so then I ended up transferring or getting kicked out on purpose. So I can go to Mary Arts, which okay. was my second school that I wanted to go to anyway with my buddies because I lived in the Mary Arts district. And I went there and this always took people now. This is how you know I didn't have a father because my mom just let me go where I wanted to go. And I ended up leaving Crenshaw, which was the number one team in the country at the mm -hmm. time. You go to Mount York, which is the number two, number three team in the city with nine returning seniors. Uh, a father would be like, dude, you crazy. You never right. play, especially if you're still developing. You haven't, you know what I'm saying? So I went there to sound the bench, but had a good time. I got to play for a powerhouse. I got to be a part of where it looks like uh, to be with guys that had aspirations to play in the NBA and uh, overseas and D1 and all that good stuff. I'll tell you all the time. Would have been cool to go somewhere to a smaller school and play more. But I don't think I would be in basketball to this day if I hadn't gone to Crenshaw Emanuel mm -hmm. and just been around that real L.A. basketball culture. And, you know, sometimes kids, when I tell the story, they get me like, man, you must have been real sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Man and Crenshaw aren't what they used to be right. back they in the know, day. Cool. No, yeah. yeah, right. That was the competition. Those were the real schools back then, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I almost didn't even play high school basketball. But I definitely competed with some of the best guys. And we're friends now. And I've gained every last one of them respect over right. the years. You know what I mean? They know. They know. <laughs> they know. Yeah, they know. No, I think it's uh it's so it's so cool to see somebody who was involved with the game, you know, and not being able to necessarily get on the court or compete in high school, but you made a name for yourself post high school mm -hmm. and got, like you said, the respect of others from doing that and and from continuing to work and put your head down and and do what you did. Um now, from high school transitioning to college, what was that like for you? So after high school, um, of course, no offers, you know, no real uh, prospects and kind of got wayward, you know, floating around, getting in trouble, not really going to school. So I tried to come to junior colleges. It didn't work out. Finally, um, my, my guy, Thurman Watson, who's my assistant coach uh, at Southwest, um, before that, I would go play with him. He did not street from me, so I would go play with him. Him and his best friend, Bouvet, who actually just passed away a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. So those guys kind of put their arms around me. And then when Coach Morris decided to leave Lock and go to college, I ended up being, um, you know, this, you know, they have this TV show, Second Chance You. I was like his first Second Chance You. I was a little older, not really sure I was going to go in life, but Coach kind of like 
really looked out for me. So uh, I ended up going to Southwest for two years. Uh, that's where me and Reg, our friendship blossomed. Um, wasn't a great student. So after that, wasn't on my offers. Wasn't, you know, I did well in junior college. I was, you know, all conference and I lost state and track. So I, my athleticism had kicked in. I was becoming the person that I ended up being on the court. But really didn't do well in school. Ended up walking on the couch to LA. Um, uh, and I, I tried. I really, I, it was like the first time I really was like, okay, let me try this school thing out the right way. But I just didn't have the right tools and uh, ended up being ineligible to take a semester. And the coach really wasn't playing like before playing me anyway because I wasn't on scholarship, but everybody knew. Like it was one of the things where I really wasn't embarrassed about not playing because my teammates knew and people that at the school knew like I should be playing, you know, right? So um got frustrated with that, stopped going to school again, track came around, I couldn't get I couldn't was ever for the track team. Uh kind of like it was just it was over, you know what I mean? Kind of lost the art for it. But I knew, but I did want to go to the university and that kind of like accomplished that a little bit. Um, and then that summer, uh, I was talking about this going to be a sport called slam ball. So I started getting ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so I had to get to introduce the slam ball. So you said it was just, this is coming now. Yeah. So it was, um, back in this, through the drill league, uh, was playing at drill league one time, one, one weekend and, uh, some white people walked in the gym. <laughs> back in the day, some white people walked in the gym and meant overseas or commercial. Mm-hmm. And, Mason Gordon, who created the Drew League, will uh, attest to this to this story. It's on the free throw line, and uh shot went off, caught it, dunked on the other end, off the free throw, off the standstill. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Whoa, I gotta beat this kid. And I was like, Yeah, I know. Whatever they want, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna holler at me. <laughs> so uh Rod Smith, rest his soul, the creator of Say No Classic, and you know, Smiley pulled me to the side and was like, You need to go try out for this trampoline basketball thing. At the time, I was thinking, well, I want to be on TV anyway, but I didn't want to play this fake basketball. I didn't want that to be on my on my on my resume. So I didn't go the first week, and then my homie went back to the drill league. And I remember, you know, like, so how did it go? And I was like, I didn't go. And you know, it's like, first, just try it. You never know what it could do for you. You never know what it's gonna be. So just go. And the following tryouts or interview they had, I went up there and been in love with it ever since. And I got a shot with Dino Smiley, and like I said, Rod passed away. But those are the two that pushed me into the direction of slam ball. That's awesome. Are you involved with the? You know, we heard slam ball's coming back out. Yeah. Have you been involved with that at all? Or well, I was, you know, I was presented the opportunity to coach, and I really thought I wanted to. And I, <laughs> I'm starting to get uh, anxiety that I didn't do it. But um, it was there in Vegas mm-hmm. for three months, and that would have meant I had to walk away from Air West. And or at least walk away for three months and momentum and things that we're doing. I just couldn't see myself doing that. Uh, so I wouldn't say it was a hard decision, but I'm definitely like, ah, I wish it would have been in LA again, like it had been, because I definitely would have did both. So, um, and I just went out there this past week to check it out, and it looks amazing. And they have like their own arena, well, they have their own arena, but they don't have to track the practice, the practice facility is a lot better. Um, and now they're going to the Cox Arena. I'm not sure where they're going to play at, but just the fact that they're going to the Cox Arena to put okay. the show on together is going to be crazy. So I'm going to go out there and check out the uh, opening night. Okay. So. No, no. no um, man, I was a huge fan of Slam Ball. Huge fan of you, like fanboy a little bit here, man. Like yeah, you, uh, Stan Fletcher, like man, that was 
man, I love watching that stuff. And because all I wanted to do was dunk. Vince Carter's my favorite player. And right, so, you, you know what I mean? Like, so seeing that was like, that was, that was, hey, man, basketball, you can do anything with basketball right, was right. The, the mindset. So from, you know, the time that you fell in love or started playing the game until you kind of, you know, got slam ball where you kind of really blossomed in, into who you were within basketball, um, were the biggest adversities that you had. You mentioned, uh, you know, your father passing away. I'm sure that was tough. What other adversities did you hit throughout that time? I mean, tons, tons of them. You know, father passing away. And then a month or two later, my brother moved to live with his father in the Bay. And my brother ended up being like a big time high school basketball player in the Bay. So uh, that was tough. You know, single mom, growing up in South Central, having gangs and the fast life in your face at all times, or temptation at all times. Um, but a lot of it just trying to become or trying to keep my confidence together when I'm at it. Like, I was at elite high school. I was at the best high school in the country at one point. You know what I mean? Like I said, Manuel was either second or third behind him. So those are big adverse because when you go to school like that, they don't have time for you to develop. You right. either come in and ready or you don't. Right. And not having any consistent adult male in my life to kind of bounce these ideas off and having a mother working 10 hours. It was just me. You know what right. I mean? I was, this, this is, um, I created this, this life for myself. They don't want to point me in this direction. So those things and, you know, we, we you know, I'm not saying my, we were, I didn't grow up poor, but I grew up broke. Right. You know what I mean? So those are just, those are things you won't. Or there's things you won't be able to get just because of the, the nature of the money or time that your, my mother had. So just, you know, I don't, you know, not that big of a sob story, but it is, you know what I'm saying? It, it could have been, this could have been, this could have looked a lot different. So, and then I self-inflicted stuff by not being a great student. That that was my fault. Yep. You know what I mean? My fault. I didn't get a better jump shot or, or some handles. You know what I mean? That's, so those are things that kind of held me back because I was a great athlete. An elite athlete, but you know, at six three, they only can go so far. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but we here now. Yeah, no, it's mm -hmm. awesome. What if you had three things that you could tell people who may be in a similar situation or going through any adversity? Hearing your circumstances, you know, could be worse or better for somebody who's listening. What are three things you can tell them to um, tell them? You know, to get to where you're at, where you're living your life in a, a space where you're living purposeful. Providing and you know still connected to hoop as well. Well, I mean, you, you you gotta stay the course. You know, you gotta be a good person. I think all the time. In the day, I'm a solid dude. You know, what I mean, I ain't never really crossed nobody, and never been nobody shady. So those things that definitely helped me get where I'm at. Take care of your schoolwork. You ain't gotta be no straight A student, but come on, man, this high school's easy, yeah. especially now. So I'm mad at myself and not just knocking that out and work on your game. Like, I sat on the bench basically my whole high school career. But once I got a little taller and I, my athleticism kicked in, the hustler that I was, the guy that rebounded the ball, the guy that was a good teammate, I just it kept that same spirit. And then I just became more athletic and all that good stuff. So if I would have just worked on my game a little bit more, maybe I could have played overseas for 10 years. Well, means I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. Maybe a different you know, story. But... Work on your game, but hold on to the things that you already are good at, mm -hmm. and you have to be a better student. I should have been a better student. I'm mad at myself for that. I yeah. should have definitely got my education paid for the yes. things that I was able to do on the basketball court and in track and field. Yeah, I think that that narrative has definitely changed over the years. I think there was a time where you could be a bad student and people would 
you know, overlook things or have somebody take a test for you and yeah. all those kinds of things for those, you know, really elite you know, players. Yeah, 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 what they got. Yeah. You know right. And then now it's like you have to have good grades or college mm-hmm. isn't even talking to you, regardless of your talent level. Right. right. Regardless of your talent level. And so that uh that focus on the academic side yeah. and your education is so important. And you see that now back then those were public schools. Now you got these private schools stepping mm-hmm. in where you have to perform right. uh, academically. And that that landscape changing. So I think it's I I, I love that emphasis that you put because you've been through it. Yeah. And you've seen the opportunities that allowed you not to have almost. And and and, and honestly, this kind of still kind of trips me up in some of the things I do because you know, all the things that I do with these corporations and companies without that degree and all that stuff, they haven't rushed to get me a, a job or change my email address or, you know, to the companies, man. You know, they'll 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 use me for my resources and they'll put a little change in my pocket, but they haven't put any real uh, effort to lock me in the way I think I should be locked in at this particular point in, in the game. You know? Any thoughts of ever going back to school and getting your No, no, that's, that's definitely on the horizon. That's definitely something I've been thinking about. I mean, I think it'd be a cool story to get over and go back to school, yep. get my degree at 50, which is crazy. But <laughs> um, I do want to kind of show the kids that you can still do that. Like, I don't think anything's possible. And I, and I do leave age, age out of something, but getting your degree and going to school, that's, that's, that's easy. Yeah. It's not something you, you get too old to do. You just have to find the time and the motivation to do it. And yeah. I definitely, we joke about that. I was just telling my good friend, Joy, I was saying, uh, that'd be a cool little show. Yeah. No, <laughs> it would. I think, it, I think it's, a. Uh... It's like full circle for yeah. what you stand for now, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and showing the kids, hey, I'm doing something too that I don't necessarily want to do, right. but... It's... I actually kind of do want to go. No, no, you do want to yeah. go. Okay, yeah. well, I think school be easy now and I have... Oh, hey, you can go yeah. be a GA somewhere and get a paid for it. Might as well coach while you at it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. My own degree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's dope, man. So, uh, man, I encourage you to do that, man. Yeah. I'm a... I'm, I'm a... Well, it's out here now, so I'm a... Yeah. You know, that's kind of what this is, kind of the hold you to some of your words and make you accountable for some things you say you want to do. And I'm not like super far away from it. You know what I mean? So right. I think it would be an interesting story to see me up there yep. with a backpack. And I don't want to do it online. I want to go to campus. <laughs> oh, you want to go on I campus? I want to go on campus. Oh, I want man. to do the whole thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I did before, but I just want to do it right this time. You know what I mean? So, no, that'd be dope, man. I, I think that'd be super dope. Um, So Slam Ball, man. Tell me about your, how long did you play Slam Ball? What was your experience like with that? And what has it afforded you later now in your career through Slam Ball? Well, slam ball, uh, well, I did the first three, four seasons. Um, the first season in 2001, 2002, um, I wasn't drafted. So, it, so again, I was thrust back to my high school days where I basically cut, basically told that I wasn't good enough with these other guys. And I knew that wasn't true. I just knew I had to figure out the trampoline. I knew I had a desire and the athleticism to be one of the better guys. Um, so I had to go on as a practice player, I had to humble myself, I had to be at draft, I had to sit there and not get drafted with my mom and my little sister with me. I had to go to two a day practices. Mm-hmm. I had to, I got half the pay that the other guys got, you know what I'm saying? And uh, now that was tough, I almost didn't go back. I almost was like, I almost quit and started doing something else. Like I had some great things to do outside <laughs> of that. Um, but I did go back and, and the true story, the very next day I went back, I was one of the better players. But the very next day I was like, no, I'm pretty good at this in both practices. And I did that for about a week or two. And then a player got hurt um, and that put me in a position to be on, a, uh, on the team that was on the bouncers. And 
did pretty well my first year, you know, at the league in scoring. First player to score 40 points. Um, all the good things that came from that year. Second year was not as great. I was injured the whole time of preseason, so I didn't really get to, to practice. Third year ended up being third season ended up being hurt again, which was five years after the second year. This fan ball, you know, was off the air for five years. But it's given me an opportunity. I stamped my passport for the first time. Uh, went to Italy. I've been to China. Been on One Tree Hill. Um, we've done different shows in different cities. So I've traveled throughout the states. I've traveled over, overseas. Met some of my best friends uh, through slam ball. Um, I wouldn't say like the last few years, but at, for at least almost ten years, I would get a slam ball question every day. Mm. Um, and I'm going to always be a trivia question. You know, I mean that that's one of the cool <laughs> things about slam ball. Even if it had never come back, it was still going to be like. What's that crazy trampoline basketball sport? You know what I'm saying? Right. To this day, that like, I meet the kids now through here at West, they're going on YouTube now and seeing some of my old stuff. And it's, uh, you know, slam ball is a part of my life. It's a part of me. You know what I mean? Uh, it's one of the greatest times of my life. Uh, one of the best times, probably the best time playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah. You know, slam ball was it for me. I, I mean, I'm so happy it's back. And, uh, <laughs> it's just cool to be able to say I did something that nobody or very few people ever tried. You know what I'm saying? And then I did it well. And yeah, and we were one of them ones. Yeah. So now that's nobody. I think you just hear it all throughout your stories, the perseverance. Like you just kept going. Like yeah. you're showing up to practice. People are, you know, under underrating who you are yeah. and and with your ability, and then you go and prove it. Yeah. And that's like, I don't know. I I just you just keep going, and that's what. Life is about. I think. Mm -hmm. I think that people who get stuck and stop doing something is where um, they start. Get, they start failing. That's mm -hmm. real failure. But even though you weren't hitting, you know, the mark, right? Mm -hmm. This, this, whatever that looks like, you just kept going, and things worked out for you. And I and like that's the biggest thing. And it turned out to be the best experience of your life on that other side of getting cut, having to work out, and having someone else to get injured for you to get your opportunity right. to be what you already knew you were, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And for everybody else. And so, man, I, once again, applaud you on that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, so. My buddy asked me a day and I said, what people want to know about you? I said, no, I'm resilient. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know that about me. I know that I could have quit a hundred times. I know I could have been doing a few different things and I've been in trouble. I've, I've done some things that weren't the best, but at the end of the day, I'll keep fighting. You know what I mean? And so, We'll see. We'll see what that what's going to look like at the end of the day. Right. You know, right. That's all you, I think you're living it. That's the thing is you get to see the fruits of that even now with, with everything you're doing. Um, so talk about your transition from Slam Ball, um, getting opportunities to be on shows and, and getting that, that, that experience on that side. And also, um, is this around the time that you start working like the Jordan camp and those types of things? How did you get connected to so, the training side of basketball and developing? So Slam Ball was... Uh, 2002 and 2003, then we're off for five years. And the start of season two of 2003, um, one of my college teammates, Lee Daniel Jr., was murdered. Mm. And at his funeral, it's when me and Reggie connected because he was at Howard doing this thing. Um, he asked me to coach, and I was like, Well, you know, I've always wanted to coach, I always wanted to go back and coach, but I thought I'd be either overseas or on somebody's TV show, you know what I'm saying? So I told him if Sandball doesn't come back, I will uh, 
I was approached and um, Sandball wasn't coming back. Well, it was, it was still up in the air, but some of us have been up in the air. We've been up there for like five years. So every so we were like, oh, we got to get trained, you know, it's about the time to get ready, but then it wouldn't come back. And Reggie was second year at New Zinger. Um, and my best friend at the time, Michelle's nephew, was transferring from Fairfax, either Inglewood or New Zinger. And Reggie was making a push for him to come to New Zinger with his best friend, Chris, and Roy Walker, which is funny. I, <laughs> Um, so Ms. Reggie called me and said, could I help get, uh, to come to do things? So we had a meeting at, um, Michelle's mother's house, um, the whole family and, um, Michelle's mom was Beverly who passed away a couple of years ago. I remember she was saying when the meeting was over, Reggie did a good job with the presentation. We done. She was like, if you go back, if you go to coach, not go back, if you go coach at losing it. D'Angelo would definitely go. And D'Angelo went Chris and Roy was going to follow. And I told her I would go. D'Angelo was already like my young boy anyway, because me and my two were best friends. Uh, so I was like, I'll go coach. But I said, if Lambeau come back, I'm going to leave. Right. But didn't come back. But um, so I ended up saying I was going to go coach there. And uh, so D'Angelo ended up going, D'Angelo, Chris and Roy ended up going as well. So 2004 to 2003, which is coming up on 20 years. Um, I uh, walked on losing a campus, and um, first kid I met was Kelsey, and probably the second kid I met was Russell, mm. and they both wanted to talk about slam ball. So <laughs> I walked on campus as the slam ball guy. So um, <laughs> yeah, and I stayed there in 2010. You know, a lot of things in between there. We can talk about it, but that's how I got into that. And in 2005, so in 2004, my coach at uh, these battlegrounds, his name was Brent. He's best friends with Mark Raglan. He kept telling to Mark, let me coach Mark. It was, was kind of hard to get into Jordan camp. Like you had to really like know him or have like a a long tenure of being a coach. So for the listeners, who's Mark Raglan? Mark Raglan is George Raglan's uh, son. Mm-hmm. George Raglan is one of the co-founders of the Michael Jordan camp um, mm-hmm. in the 90s, late 90s. So I missed about nine good years of Jordan camp. But in 05, Mark decided to uh, give me a chance to coach there. And uh, 05 was pretty cool. I ended up, uh, that's the year, we went to Europe with Slamball. I ended up winning Battleground. I ended up winning the Drew League. And I ended up coaching Michael Jordan Campbell in 05. So Man, 05 was up here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, what was the, uh, Soji video was out. 05 was a good year for me. And I was, so yeah, got to go. Uh, you were in Soldier. You were Destiny Child. Destiny Child. Oh, yeah, word. Yeah. And that was the number one video in the world at the time. Touch of the clip. If you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> right. Two with the, the Afro. Thank God I just don't have this thing. What a blessing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 05, uh, Mark let me coach camp. And uh, it was dumb. I remember my first day at camp. Not even first day at camp. My, the night I got there, they took me to the, to the, to the bar. And Mike was just sitting down. Like I, I, I read about it. Like the, the, the seas open, the part of the seas, and Mike reached his hand out, shook my hand, and we've been cool ever since. So, man, that's yeah. awesome. Nah, that's crazy. Uh, there are um, stories of you playing Michael Jordan at Jordan Camp. Yeah, what, what was that experience like? So, oh, you know, oh, so it was in '09. So like four years of just, I don't know. I, I, I can talk. I don't know if cuss, but I can talk shit with the best of them. So, you know, and I used to be, me and Mike just go back and forth, just talking just random stuff. 
And one day at the camp, um, I guess he had heard I could jump a little bit. And he was like, some, something like that. And Mike was feeling good because he was shooting around and already dunking for the kids. You don't know that. I think he was just hot cold when he started dunking. So Mike was already loose. And I had to walk around coaching from 8 in the morning, 9 o'clock at night. So we started doing this little uh, standstill, you know, dunk contest. And uh, I remember my boy was sitting there like, you're not filming this dude? What are you doing? Like, the ones I made, he didn't start filming until I started missing. So we was doing that. And that, for me, was the dream come true. I just got to, I got to dunk off with Mike. You know right. I mean? Even though he was in jeans. And that's what people always laugh about, because he was in jeans. Still, <laughs> like, still Michael Jordan. Mike. Right. Like, and it's funny, he was 47 at the time. And that, I'm going to my fourth. He's 46. And that's the year I am. That's the age I am now. So I think that's funny. You still dunking? Um, I raised a little. You know, I had my little health scare. So I'm like, yeah. my, my bounce has definitely been gone for a few years now. Okay. Um, but I did dunk on somebody two weeks before I ended up having my situation. So okay. I was dunking at 40. Right. Um, so yeah, after we dunk, I grab my bags. Like, hey, this is enough for me. If you give a videotape, videotape this all. Like, I'm telling my kids this. And then my boy Rab was like, uh, play one on one. And Michael was like, Chris, I want to play one on one. Like, the heck if you don't. He's like, throw my bag down, and I got to guard it for like he didn't guard me, but I got to guard him for like five possessions. And um, that's another dream come true. It's pictures of me. I'm smiling the whole time. I had a time I'm smiling. Oh, then. Making sure I don't hurt him, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Michael rolled an ankle or hurt him. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> He's retired at this point. He's good. Like, <laughs> no, but this was uh, the other kicker that was, he was, this was the summer. He he was, uh, that fall, he was going to the Hall of Fame. Ah, uh, gotcha. So I'm like, yo, you bet not hurt Michael Jackson. Michael, Michael, Michael Jordan, uh, before he goes to the Hall of Fame. So that's another little tidbit that I like. Like, I was the last person to play basketball with Michael Jordan before he went into the Hall of Fame. Well, this is on film. If I'm wrong, prove me wrong, but. I haven't seen nobody until Michael Jordan no. play basketball, Michael Jordan. So, yeah, that was cool. And then, you know, that was a viral moment, but whatever viral was back then, you know. Right, so, right. Rob, right. what were you watching that on? You, on YouTube? Yeah, it's on, yeah, it's more like yeah. YouTube. Yeah, so. but no, that's dope, man. Playing Michael Jordan. What? I mean, come on, man. Like, especially Jordan. from getting cut and not playing and this and that and all these things. And man. somehow you find out you hooping, like, not just going to camp. And going out with Michael and just having him say what's up to me was enough. So say I played basketball with Michael Jordan and I never touched the NBA floor. You know, I mean, I've got an NBA jersey. You know what I mean? NBA almost like you're the same. I tell people all the time because my, my story is similar. Um, played in high school, played junior college for just for a year, mm. a year, maybe and a half. And after that, you know, I was I didn't have the information that I needed to navigate college, right? I should have went to, after I left New York College, probably should have just went to a D2, D3, mm-hmm. figured it out, whatever. And I had D1 dreams, NBA dreams, and um, never got on the team. And, but I, did, I just kept hooping. I kept hooping, started training, helping people, helping Joe Bunasar with his training. So been around NBA players, blah, blah, blah. Worked till 2000 and, was it 19 or 20 during COVID, um, or right before COVID. And, and I'm training LeBron every day for, with Chris Johnson, you right. know, um, Chris Johnson's training him. I'm there playing defense on him, yeah, yeah. and he calls me the light skin Pat Bev. Because you know what I mean? Like, yeah, basketball can take you so far if you stick with it and still achieve those dreams. You know what I mean? Like, of course, we all want to suit up in an NBA uniform and be one of them dudes, but the opportunities you get with just being around the game and staying true to it, and like you said, you ain't you never crossed anybody. Your character yeah. outlasted 
on the hoop that you had. And you got to, got to play against Mike and, and somebody you say you know to this day and you cool with because right. you wear this cap every year. Right. Different things you just got done with, you know, events that and still work. You know, I'm still like, I, um, I hang on, hung out with his daughter during WNBA weekend all the time. And that guy, like, that's the bar, you know, just hanging out. Remember when she was 10, 11 years old running around thinking she was running the camp. So, mm-hmm. and to be able to um, still represent the Jordan brand, which has absolutely nothing to do with Jordan camp. That's a, a whole nother lane. That I didn't, I'm not in the position with Jordan brand because of what I did at the Jordan camp. You know what I mean? So okay. to still represent Michael Jordan's name, to, and I take that seriously. You know what I'm saying? Even when I went to Nike, or like I I realized that's a responsibility to that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not out there doing nothing nefarious. You know what I'm saying? So um, to still just be my name. You can Google my name, Michael Jordan name, and something comes up. That's crazy. <laughs> That's the, I'm going to try that later, too. See if my name pop up yeah. with uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's crazy. Right. No, that's like, awesome. We're not talking about, like, like I always joke about it. I don't know this guy's like, well, like it was Randy Brown. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, show picture of Randy Brown. He's on the Bulls. There you go. <laughs> you can find him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so. no, that's, uh, no, that's, that's amazing, man. Um, now, all those camps, Michael Jordan. And you also had a close relationship or a relate, you know, um, let's talk about the Drew. Let's start there and we'll build into the next story. So the Drew League, what has it meant to you and what has it meant to L.A. basketball? Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, the Drew League Center, it was similar to Sam Slamball because those are all on my my Mount Rushmore in my life. So the Drew, um, it was everything to me. You know what I mean? It's like, I remember it used to be in the 90s, I used to sit in the gym. I, I'd play at 11. I'd be there to the last game. Then I'd come up there on Sunday when I didn't have a game or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Dino, um, you you know, he just he used to like to have me around. We used to talk. You know what I'm saying? I didn't find my way to the Cheetahs and the legendary Casper Wear until the 2000s, so for like five years, I was just playing on different teams and just being around the Drew League. And I don't know, like, so back in the day, you couldn't play in both. You know, so back in the day, it was say no. Say no class for the Drew League. And I guess I was still in the phase where high school, I wasn't really that guy in high school. So playing say no, I really wouldn't get the respect that I would have probably liked just because of high school. So when I found the Drew League in, in 96, it was kind of like home for me. You know, I didn't really want to play in the same. You know, like you had to pick, and I picked the East Side. So I really grew up a lot on the East Side, uh, sitting in that little bitty gym at King Drew Middle School. And I don't know, I just fell in love with the league. Uh, it's always meant something to me. You know what I'm saying? It, um, it's not the same no more. Yeah, so how, how has it you developed, know. and what do you think its impact? Before and impact now. But when, when, like, so now, before, when I used to tell people I was playing the Drew League, they like, what is that? They thought the person's name. No one really knew where it was. Unless you were on the east side or you really hoop, you didn't know. Now, at one point, the uh, used to be a league called Run, Dunk, and Shoot. And they combined with Drew League to call the ultimate challenge of Tempo, Supreme Challenge in Tempo. And that was ran by Joe Weekly, rest in peace, and Dino. So we would have crossover games. So it was really like a, it was a big thing for basketball players, but it wasn't like the gym wasn't always packed and you right. didn't go in a grocery store and people knew you played in the drill league mm-hmm. outside of being on the east side, you know what I mean? So um, 
but that's quickly changed to, to now. And even though my opportunity, I got my first commercial uh, audition at the Drew League, I took up that and I did, and Slamball came through the Drew League. But other than that, we were taking the Drew League places, the top players back then. Now, or we were opening doors for the Drew League, I should say. Well, now the Drew League opens doors for everybody. Right? Right. I mean, you can really, like, people weren't going to the Drew League and getting overseas contracts. That's just, that wasn't happening. Not some guys were already playing overseas and they complained you know, the Drew. But it wasn't like, yeah, a lot of scouts. Why I would say when the white people walked in, um, we, we thought it would be the commercial or some kind of overseas opportunity. Now you don't know who's going to be in the Drew League. You know what I mean? So they have right. so many different sponsors and now it's on the NBA app. You can watch right. the game. Watch like, it's crazy. So it's meant so much to me just being able to see it grow. Like I, I wasn't there from the beginning, but I was definitely there for the transition. You know, like I wanted my 2005 championship with the last year at the little school, at the middle school. And then, you know, you had the lockout year at the park. And then you had Nike taking over the Drew in 2012, mm-hmm. you know, whether that had something to do with that or not. So crazy coincidence, you know what I mean? So um, just to be able to see it grow and to be on the ground floor, to have instru- to be instrumental in some of those things uh, yeah. that people know the Drew Lee for to this day, it's just it's, uh, full circle. Um, it's just, it's crazy. I think, you know, and like we were just crazy just to see. I was just telling somebody the day, um, you know, Drew League is the number one league in the world. Slam balls back, you know, and I don't think that's a coincidence. You know what I mean? I think my, some of my energy and some of my influence and some of my hard work and love for both those things yeah. have really started to manifest for them. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, now the Drew League is everything. You know, like I said, it's not the same anymore. I'm older. Sponsorship changed. Right, right. <laughs> it's really, it, it's weird. But um, I mean, we're the champions, so I mean that, right. and that's cool too. So you know what I mean. So and we're trying to do it again. You know, we haven't. I didn't leave. You know, at, at one point when Nike did leave, Adidas did take over. There wasn't a time where I was like, "Well, I'm done with it." You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but some told me to stick with it. Yeah, about the drooling and about the sponsorship. No, it was. At one point, that's and I had to tell myself it's not about the sponsorship. It's about the the league and and when when the real created the Kings of LA in 2011, it was really to help his Devon and we had Jerry Evans. It was to help them develop instead of because me and the real were cheaters and kept bringing players to the team. It was not our team, so you really couldn't move like you wanted to move. So we decided. Reg, Darrell, and myself decided to create this team. It was really just about the development. We really, of course, you want to win a championship at the end of the day, but it was more so just help you have an avenue or an outlet for the guys that we were coaching with and that we had relationships with. So to finally win one on our third try was really gratifying and a big monkey off my back. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we'll see. We're struggling right now, but we'll see if we can figure it out. Right. Is the, uh, is the line playing? The line played last week. Okay. So that's the brother. Right? Yeah. Even though we still lost. But uh, the line played last week and Jerry, I mean, the line and uh, DeAnthony played last week and we still lost. So we just got to figure it out. Um, with or without them, we still have a very talented group of guys that yeah. we can still compete for the championship. So we'll see how it takes out. No, no, that's dope to hear just the, 
the brief history mm-hmm. of the Drew and that, you know, you've been there 27 years mm-hmm. and seen, seen it all and how it's, you know, progressed and, uh, you know, how you have experienced it, but the doors that it opens for people now, because the doors that opened for you right. back in the day. Yeah. So, no, that's, uh, man, that's dope. So, uh, this is the point of our show we call Where Were You When? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm assuming you were there when Kobe came through to the Drew League. Okay, so the first time Kobe came to the Drew League, um, actually came through me in many ways. So, my guy, Jerry Sawyer, who we talked about earlier about um, being able to live a great life through basketball, a good life through basketball, he's the one who showed me or told me that you can live an NBA life without being the NBA. I never forget mm-hmm. those words. And it's like, okay. So it, Jerry used to be one of the brand marketers for Nike uh, LA. He left to go work directly with Kobe. He called me one day and was like, I gotta play. It's after LeBron came, this is 2000 after LeBron came, KD came. And he said he had a player that wanted to play, but he had a new number, but I knew exactly what it was. I knew what he was talking about. Um, but I didn't pick up the phone. So he ended up calling, Joe, uh, I guess he called Paul Weekly, who was uh, Joe Weekly's um, son, and they ended up calling Dino to kind of set up. I ended up calling Dino, and we were trying to figure out how it makes sense because it was after the season, and like, wait, well, he wanted he could have played the championship game, but like I've been terribly integrating the league, you know, he can't set Kobe couple teams gonna play on, so we were kind of stuck, and then um. I came up with the idea. I said, well, we're going to DC for the lockout game in a couple of days. Let's put together an all-star game. Mm-hmm. That way we can get the guys to come play. Cause it, you know, back then we didn't really have that kind of cash saver. Like you ask those guys to come play DeMar or James, like they might pull up. Right. But if you put together a competitive game they and you tell them Kobe's coming, they're all going to show up. So we still, if you ever watch the video, I'm sitting right next to Kobe. So now we, my team didn't win the championship that year. But because I helped get COVID, Dino was like, well, just sit with Wally on the bench. But if you watch the game, I got on flip-flops and basketball clothes because I wasn't sure if I was about to play because we didn't know who all was going to show up or if Kobe even pulled up. So um, we we talked it out. We figured it out. Uh, it's going to be on a Tuesday on a low-key antenna bike, even though the word got out, got you crazy. know. I mean, I told and, a couple of my friends. And that friend, video yeah. was wild to be like, how did y'all fit all these people in this gym? I just want to know how you was outside. Right. You know, that, that part. <laughs> right. Um, so I got there early and uh, we just waited for Kobe to get there. You know what I mean? So yeah, I um, I was fortunate enough to have some say-so and some involvement in Kobe coming to the Drew League. What was that energy like in that building? And Kobe hit the game winner. He the game winner. No, it was it was uh, similar to the Michael Jordan moment. Um, it was just surreal. Mm-hmm. You know, I had already met Kobe before. Kobe's father was a slam ball coach in 2003. We don't know that. Oh, okay. coach. So I was already there, you know, have met him. But even before that, I met Kobe in 97 when the Lakers used to practice at LA Southwest, my junior college. So we shared the same facility and uh, recovery room. So we weren't practicing. We were in there, vice versa. We just bump heads, going to the hallway, and Shaq and Kobe were. Of course, too. But I had a buddy on the Lakers team, so I actually got to hang around a little bit longer than most people. Okay. Amazing. Um, so just sitting there and 
Kobe Tennis what moves he's gonna make and talking about Jane DeMarvin instead of my moves and <laughs> watch my fade away, left shoulder. And every time he would hit one, he would point at us. Because it was Marcus Bates who was uh, considering playing for Lakers that year. He's a free agent. Um, they were having a, going back a lot. So Marcus, you know, has a lot to do with Kobe's interaction. Then Kobe talking about how who's the best three, him, Mike, and Will, you know what I'm saying? So those kind of things was going on. But it was just, just sitting there watching him. And you know, fake coaching him. So I can say I coach Kobe Bryant, but really, <laughs> no, um, no. I remember when the when Kobe, the cop tried to get Kobe leave, and Kobe was like, I'm not leaving. You know, you could just see Kobe was just something I think that was one of his best moments in LA. You know, he won yeah. those, those championships, but just to be able to sit there and he wasn't tripping amongst the people. He wasn't, you know, he had he didn't have it. He might have, I'm sure he had security problems. He did have a security there, but um it wasn't all up on him, and you know what I'm saying? So I remember um <laughs> one time we was losing toward the end and Kobe was like calm down calm down guys we got this we got this and I'm like I know we do you're like what are you talking about hey, nobody's stressing here we got you so and then when he got that you know Casper Jr. hit that corner shot I almost ruined the whole story um because we were up and then he hit that corner shot to tie the game up and then Kobe had the ball at the end you know just that's a wrap yeah that was <laughs> uh and I think that that moment doesn't get enough love you know, I just think that was crazy to, like, I'm going to hit this shot. Like, to be that good at basketball, it just amazes yeah. me to know if I get right here, this is going in. You know right. what I'm saying? And James was, was on his stuff two days at, I think Kobe had 45 days at 42. You know what I mean? DeMar was, was exciting. Um, wild, but, yeah, just man. to be right there and see a, a Kobe Bryant game winner up close and personal. Was, uh, yeah. And amongst the people, that's what I liked yeah. about it, man. He was in the neighborhood. And like you said, like it didn't feel like he had crazy security. Like they rushed the court and he was just I was, soaking it if in. If you watch the clip and I'm mad at myself, I was one of the first people to rush the court. <laughs> I'm, supposed to be, I'm supposed to be cool. I'm right, I rushed the court, I socked him in the chest, and hold on, dude, you're supposed to be one of the main. You know, I had to get out of the way. But Kobe raised his hands like he was Muhammad Ali, you know, Africa, you know what I'm saying? It was just like he was just in his moment where it was just like, I'm here. I might actually want that for the mural. So on this back yeah. wall. So she she did all this. She's very artistic, oh, right? Cool. So we're putting different murals on the wall. We're gonna have like Vince Carter jumping over seven footer, yeah. uh AI stepping over Ty Lu. No offense, Ty Lu. Yeah. Uh and I was gonna have Kobe when he's standing on the thing with the Laker after he won the championship. I oh, think yeah, was the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, third, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. But I might change it to that mm-hmm. moment. That's that's dope. I like that. Yeah, I like that's that one. Yeah, that's Man, you got to experience some hoop got to see stuff, some man. Legendary <laughs> Kevin uh, Kevin Durant came down, was on our team individually. Even though he played the game that morning, he played play with us, but we had a later game. So um hooped against Michael, Katie is a teammate, we got to coach Kobe. Poor guy. Yeah. South Central. Coach Steve Russell Ron, Westbrook. Saw that from the beginning. Yeah. From the absolute beginning. You know what I mean? So if you look things here and there too, you know right. what I mean? So sad. Yeah, we ain't got time to do that. We right. look out for the uh, Chris Young documentary, yeah. y'all. Like, yeah. L.A. Hoop, man, it's dope. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, so uh, now your experience from all these opportunities, these uh, camps, uh, slam ball, uh, they, they look, they're culture creators, right? Mm-hmm. You create, you have culture inside all the Drew League. You have culture inside of there. Um, now you guys have Air West, right? You're co-founder with Keon Kendrick. What was Air West about when it first started and how has it developed? Well, so 
you know, off the heels of the lockout. So Nike wasn't involved in some basketball since Jerry pretty much left to go work with Kobe. Something like three or four years. Um, off the heels of the lockout and basketball never stopped their whole campaign. Um, shout out to Jerron Smith. Um, Nike decided they wanted to be more involved. They wanted to get back involved in LA basketball in summer. Um, so they came with this concept. They wanted to have like an open, an exclusive run. So they uh, they reached out to Keon, myself, and two other guys who ended up falling off. And so we actually, everyone's actually started by four people. Okay. Deion Marcus, Thurman, what's Thurman last name? Thurman Sutton, Keon, and myself. So Thurman and Deion ended up falling off after the summer. Um, and they were looking for a venue to host it. And I was leaving work one day. I used to work at the Expo Center. I was leaving work one day, and Dion and Amir, the guy from Nike at the time, were walking there just to scout the gym. And I was like, what's that doing here? And are we looking for a gym for everybody? Or we, I don't even know if he had a name for it by then. I was like, I work here. I can make this all happen. So we went upstairs. They saw the gym. Um, I set up a meeting with my boss. We, had, we came up with a, a, a system or an agreement where Nike would do X, Y, and Z, and they would be able to get the gyms for, uh, I guess, basically free. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's how it was to end up being at Exposition. Um, it would have been, I don't know where they would think, maybe it was somewhere downtown or somewhere in Garden. It's a perfect somewhere, place. I mean, like, I, know it, it all, I mean, once again, just being who I am, just being the guy that I am, just being in the right place at the right time. Right. I literally was thinking about going home from work. And uh, and then 11, 12 years later, we're still there. So uh, it was a place for NBA players and overseas guys. So, you know, and my relationships weren't that tight. And Keon's were solid with overseas guys. But, you know, I had a relationship with Darrell Wright's my guy. So, and Darrell isn't getting enough credit for what he is or what he does for the LA basketball he's gonna community. Be here, he's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, that's funny. I got him and Delon on the show. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. So, Darrell. Wait, um, so is, there any, is there anything I should be asking Darrell about? Um, asking who the reason why he didn't play no defense sometimes <laughs> in rebound. And so, Darrell is the reason why like, I've played with so many NBA players and been on the floor with so many NBA guys that I had no business being on the floor with because mm-hmm. of Darrell. Like, but he needed me to do all the, the grimy stuff. All the grimy stuff. So it'd, be, it'd always be like, Darrell, who you got? Who's your other three? Because they knew I was going to be number two. You know what I'm saying? That's why I really appreciate Darrell for allowing me to have those opportunities that I can I play with everybody. You know what I mean? And um, so that's my guy. And I didn't coach Darrell in high school. I came in a year after Darrell left, but I was I met Darrell when he was 17 at South Kent, and I've been in his corner and in his life ever since. And I coached Delon when he was in the thing, and I have hilarious fun Delon story that he hates that I bring up, but um, I'm gonna have to get some of that too, so I got to yeah. kill tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, Stacey and Ray really, as their parents, really allowed me to be a part of their lives, and I appreciate them for that. Especially because, like back then, like I said, I talked time, like the whole wrestling and all that. Reggie might have had a clue. I did. I didn't know what that looks like. I was just a regular guy, just doing what I thought was the right thing, and lucked up and ended up being three NBA guys, you know, instrumental in their careers. You know what I'm saying? Before they were famous or before they were in the NBA, and I'm, you know, that's another bar that that came from a guy that was didn't even always <laughs> in basketball. You know what I mean? So. um 
Where were we at with that? We were talking about. So, yeah, so Air West. And oh, yeah, so the derails yeah, so the relationship, definitely, you know, pushing the LA Unified thing. So, like, Marcus Williams, Pujetta, Bobby Brown, LB, you know, all of those guys. Uh, well, LB and Bobby Brown are the same people. Uh, Bottoms, Red, you know, all those guys that support Air West because of the rail telling them or asking them to, to help support me. Those are my guys, but, mm-hmm. you know, just because of your guys, I mean, they're going to put up on a Sunday, right. a Wednesday to come play basketball, you know what I'm saying? So I respect that. And Keanu had his overseas guys coming in. And, you know, we just started, it just, it was just needed. It wasn't a, Nike hadn't had an influence in, in the basketball culture in so long. So when Nike decided to do something, it's always going to be premium. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went, we went there. It was only going to be for the summer. And from that success, they kept it going throughout year round. And then every summer it would just get more crazier and more people would come in from out of town. So it was like, a, you know, people would come in town, they would go to Air West and they'd go to the club. You know, Air West, the club, Drew, Air West, and they, they know. Air West was Nike before the Drew. But we were Nike uh, in 2012, and then 2013. That's Air West 2012. And then the Drew League ended up being Nike 2013. And held that for a few years until the Adidas uh, thing. So... We were the only thing on Nike at one point. And um, so then, we, you know, from there, we would just, you know, every now and then we'd let some high school phenoms come in, let's be high school kids. And then right before pandemic, we were really letting middle school guys come in. Like I had like Devin Askew, Josh Christopher, you know, my godson, Brandon Richards, you know, guys that um, we thought were going to be who they were. And a couple of them ended up being who, right, they, you right. know, who we thought they were going to be. So, we went that route, and then the fall of 2019, I was just getting burnt out. You know, I was just tired of seeing, because at the end, it was just like weekend warrior type guys. And my guys, but it's like, okay, let's do something else. And then I was joining the EYBL. I was a ref for EYBL on the West Coast. So I was seeing younger athletes and younger elite, more younger athletes, more elite athletes. So I'm like, yo, we need to start using some of this energy here. And, um, and that's when we started doing middle school. That's when we ended up started reaching out to you from the times at 40 and all that stuff. And we had that last times at 40 on March uh, 11, 2020, the day of basketball stopped. You know, oh, wow. so, um, and that almost was the end of it. You know, we went to do Air West for two years, and then we came back. There wasn't really a need for the weekend warrior anymore. So Nike was like, well, we're going to probably away from Air West. And then we came up with the idea to do it for the youth. And then Nike was going to walk away and we were going to go to Jordan Brand. But then somehow they, that didn't work out. So Nike decided to keep us. And so now here we are now. Um, all, all, all about the youth right now. So it started off with the NBA guys and now we're with the youth. So we've pivoted and changed the concept a few times. But I think we're here to stay now with yeah. you. And then we'll branch off and get back to the high school, get back to the middle school, get back to the pros. But our foundation is with the youth. And I was telling Kiana that we're really making a difference in the community. Like, not that the adult part wasn't, but this is for real, for real. Like, these yeah. kids, we're starting at five. Some four-year-olds are in there. And I hope they grow up to where it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your parents always ask me, how good is there was? There was as good as the players. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when the players become elite, there was becomes elite. Right. Or it doesn't. And it's going to always be that place where your kids can come learn how to play basketball and go off to play 
EYBL or the Adidas circle, Under Armour circle. I'm not tripping on issue issue affiliation, especially right. not at this age. Just want right. you to be good ball players, That's good it. people, and good team. My thing is to be a good teammate. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like we talk about um, me me persevering through all these things. There was is is how I wanted to be. I'm right. teaching them how I was raised or how I took uh, how basketball is to me. You know, you got to be a good person. First and foremost, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? you know, you might be elite kids, but if you're elite, it gives you more wiggle room to be a jerk. But the minute <laughs> that starts to fall off and you aren't and you haven't been a good person, then you you won't be able to have doors stay open for you. So right. I just try to teach the kids that just be a good person, good teammate, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, no, I think that's super important. We just posted a clip yesterday of uh, Alicia Kamaki. The girls coach over this year came yeah. in and she's like, that's our thing. Like, if you're a good person, or she's at, uh, if you're a better person, you're a better basketball player. Mm-hmm. Those are those are one and the same. And those character things that we're building in these kids, I think is super important because there's a lot of coaches out there who are just thinking about winning. They put a team together, go win on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You're investing into kids with uh, costing them nothing right. to develop their character through basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's where where I feel things got kind of off balance just with the grassroots basketball in general. It came about winning, getting the shoe contracts, and getting the next pro and all that. And pros are developed through the right people developing them. You know, right it, it, you know, it's so much more money in the game now. So you, you're going to lose some of the authenticity of it. You know, you're going to have some people out here just for the wins for the shoe company. And I get it because you got to feed your family too. But I've been put in a position where I don't have that anxiety or thirst to do the things that I could do or need to do to make X, y, my, X amount of money. Now, I do want all the money that comes with this, <laughs> but I'm, I want my character and my name to stay intact throughout the process. So, um, yeah, you, you, know, you, you know, you know, you can, you can think. We've we both seen a lot of kids that were, he's going to be the one, and then now you like, they don't not, play basketball. Not, or you don't even want to be around them because they're jerks or their parents was jerks. You know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? So um yeah. that you yeah, you are you are a better basketball player if you're a better person. Yeah. Because right. at the end of the day, that basketball is gonna stop. Now who's gonna want to deal with you then? So absolutely. All right. So it's the segment of my rushmore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your top four. And for you, we're gonna do your top four players. So you've been around the Drew for 27 years. So you can be biased, and we're not going to include the people who just have guest appearances. Oh, not for sure. I'm going to do it anyway. Yep, <laughs> yep. And so you're a top four players in the Drew League in the last 27 years. Okay, so I'm, one I'm going to be biased is Darrell. Mm-hmm. He didn't get credit for, enough credit for that as well. So Darrell is probably on that list. Darrell could do it all in a basketball court. Just, you know, that good. Um Casper Ware, even though I caught the tail in the Casper, I see what it was at an older age. Him still better get 20 in the game. He's actually our coach. He did a two minute show up. He would play and he, you know, mid game, just throwing his shoes and hoop and still be effective. So that was uh, two. Um, I know I'm going to be so mad later because there's others, but Mike Brown, I don't know if you know about Mike, Mike, Mike Brown, is, is probably my. The best team it ever had, or the most talented team it ever had, you know what I'm saying? Uh, who probably should have played in the NBA, but you know, that's how life goes. And I probably wouldn't have said this until 
recent, but it's got to be Frank. Yeah. Frank is, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like he's about to be, he has a champion MVP this year. Um, if we have anything to do with his team, we'll win a championship, but he can get that MVP out of, you know what I'm saying? But Frank is just destroying people right now. Everybody. Like, and it's just, and I'm, and I was going to post about it. I was ready to make a post about that because Frank um, does so many different things and uh, still plays harder than everybody on the floor. Yeah. Still plays selfless. It's like he's getting younger. It's yeah. almost crazy. He's like yeah. more experienced. He's, you know, more efficient, but it's like he's getting younger and more in his prime. Yeah, he just, as he's, time goes on. He's hitting a crazy streak. Um, Another player who should probably be in the league. If you ask me. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, if you ask me all the time, not, and that's no knock on Frank. It's just different styles. Right. You know, different. You know, you put Frank in a situation where he can't be who he is. He might not look as great. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Frank came into the Drew League. Frank actually was the same Drew to, uh, D2 as I at Cal State LA for a minute. So I've seen Frank play for a long time. And Frank was like, he went from like the energy hustle guy. That was the mode I was in to like, not through everything like basketball, but he just kept getting better and kept getting better. Now he just had a maturity space in life with his family and his game and his career. And it's just like, at the end of the day, like, I was, he doesn't have a bad game because he plays the whole game. Now, he might have a bad shooting game, but he does everything else in the game. So you don't have an overall bad game. And dudes are just, they can't match his energy. Right. It can't match his passion. So I really respect that because Frank makes a living off his knees and space and all that. And yet he's still diving on, on the floor. He's still trying to dunk on everybody. He's still <laughs> playing basketball six or seven days a week. So he's just had a, an amazing, uh, it's just amazing to see him right now. It's crazy. And uh, so Frank definitely has to be one of the best players I've ever seen play basketball. Yeah. Inside or outside of Julie in the last 27 years. Absolutely. So I've oh, been around the Drew since 2012, probably when mm-hmm. Nike came in, is yeah. when I started going. And before that, I was living in Kansas. That's well, a anyway. So, yeah. And so from my time, Frank and and uh, Darrell were the two that stood out to me, mm-hmm. you know, immediately over that time. Um, and Casper. Yeah, I mean, Casper, he is. It's crazy, man. When, when somebody that size is just dominating, it is amazing to watch. I think that's why we're in love with a Steph Curry and all these smaller guards. Um, saying smaller, 6'3 is not small, but it is. Right. And he, he, <laughs> no, for sure. And yeah. uh, so those three. And I'm trying to, trying to really think about this one because it was only for a small time that I saw him, but it was the time I saw him. Uh, Mike, I can never say his last a name. Fever. Money Mike. <laughs> So Money Mike would be on a Frank's level, but Money, like you said, Money Mike only played three years in the Drew League. Man, that boy cold. Man. 2011 <laughs> to about 2014, Mike was the okay. coldest thing in the Drew League. Man. We went to DC together. It was the second year in 2002. We went to turn the champion in DC together. So, uh, no, Mike was tough. Man. Mike was tough. LB was tough. Yeah. Marcus Williams was tough. Yeah, Marcus Williams. Williams it's, yeah. it's been some really tough guys. They just didn't do it as long. That's Frank. Not to say it's long, but they probably played the same amount of years, but they just, they weren't the top, top like Frank. You know, Casper was was one at one point. 2011, the year, like uh, Casper won Julie MVP. Casper, when I played for the Chiefs, Casper and Irv to sit on the bench, and I would sit there and talk to them while when I'm looking at the game. So it was in my homework, or I would ask them after the game, 
did your mom make the tacos and can I get a Gatorade? So those are my guys. So I've seen them grow up from being babies, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Casper is definitely, I think Frank's kind of like took over Casper's role as in, there might have been Casper out of putting that spot. But yeah. Frank is just, I can't deny what Frank is doing right now. So, yeah, um, yeah a lot of guys is in the Drew League. Uh, that's my little, I have a little beef with them right now with the with this little thing they got going on. Like a lot of guys have been in the Drew League, but for four or five years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 10, 15 years, you know, people yeah. putting their work. True Very vets. few yeah. people are putting their work that long or care to do that. You know what I'm saying? They still play, but they didn't come into Drew League with the same mindset. Frank comes in with the same mindset every time. Like, I'm a world winner. So, sure. you can get the MVP, but if you get that championship, you'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, end of the show, flip the script. Two questions that you got for me. One... Because since you are on the training side, you know what I mean? I want to know who is your best. And I know you more so middle school guys. Who was your best? Who was the top middle school kid you coached? When they were in middle school? Yeah, when or middle now? School. No, no, middle when school. they were in middle school? Yeah. How many? Your top. You give me three. Give me three? I'll give you three. Okay. Uh, number one, Sky Clark. It's not even a question. Sky Clark in middle school was coming into his own and in eighth grade, I don't think there was much anybody could do to stop that kid. And he had the full full game, three-level score, played defense. Um, yeah, Sky was – I've never seen a kid that young work that hard. Real quick, you know Sky played in Air West in the middle school. Yes. He's one of our first middle school kids. I remember. Yes, I remember. I'm always happy I got my little young Sky part of <laughs> Yeah, no, I got – so – I was Sky started playing really when he was nine and ten years old. Mm-hmm. He would do a little ARC league and all that. He was a little chunky ten year old kid. That's funny. I need to see that picture. Yes, I, yeah. we have video. Yeah. And um, I was one of his first like shooting coaches when Shot Zone was up out here in Woodland Hills mm-hmm. before Shot Three Sixty was around. Shot Zone out here, and I was one of Sky's first like shooting coaches. I was training, but that's what his dad wanted me to do at right. the time. Um, and man, there's no kid like more focused, more coachable. Then uh, and he just locked in and started, you know, just getting better and better and turned like, you know, just I don't know what he drank over the seventh and eighth grade year. You know what it was actually. I'm gonna tell you exactly what happened. We played Heritage Christian's middle school team played Shamanad's middle school team. We were smacking everybody. That Sky Clark, Ben Schultzberg, Mike Price, Dusty Strump. Like we were like loaded. It was crazy. We played Shamanad though. They smacked us by 25 in the championship game. KJ Simpson, who's at Colorado now, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Mike, uh, I mean, not Mike, uh, what's that boy? Uh, that played with Mesh, I'm not. Uh, uh, Higgins, Keith Higgins. Oh, Keith, oh yeah, I oh, know. Oh, he's sorry. Yeah, it's probably one of my OGs. They look like okay. three little me. So I can jump, oh, no, he can but <laughs> the whole family can jump. Yes. Trust I remember playing them in the uh, 360 league yeah. all the time. Yeah, so. They smacked us in the middle school game. We were loaded with talent. They had them two and Abe Eagle, who just graduated from Gonzaga. And that, after that, something clicked in the sky. Like, I never want to lose like that again. And from that point on, it's been the menace of the training of Sky Clark. So, Sky, one, two, had to be Johnny Juzang. He's the one who helped me start my program. Like, his dad. Me and his dad came up with the idea for court prep. And Johnny was this, you know, six four shooting guard. And 
eighth grade. <laughs> it was just, and he played. I asked, I said, where are you getting all your moves from? It's like, oh, from 2K. Kid was watching 2K and using the moves he learned on 2K. Like yes. Not 2K now. Not 2K, yeah, where it's like, yeah. no, nah, he was learning 2K. <laughs> so he had, you know, a little post fade, his pull up. And um, once again, somebody who was just mentally focused very early on. That's what you see with those kids. And so Johnny was pretty unstoppable because he could just shoot over everybody. He was mm-hmm. smarter than everybody, pass the ball. And um, so in middle school, Johnny was Johnny was good. He's the hometown favorite, so he played in the truly the must Oh, nice. Recently? No, when, right when he... Right before he got drafted? Right before he went to Kentucky. Okay. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. He needs it. I mean, he's probably in Utah. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah. getting Let's not get it down. He got a hell of a summer league, though. Yeah. So he did a great job. Um, hmm, Number three. Now, this is tough because I got some... Oh, this is easy, actually. Now I think about Elijah Arenas. Okay. Yeah. So Elijah started in core as a sixth grader. Yeah, I got videos of him. Like, he didn't know how to do anything. So Elijah played soccer. He wasn't even a hooper. He didn't even know who his dad was. He didn't know his dad was, like, Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> it was wild. Like, he's like, that's just my dad. And we, like, yo, you know who your dad is? Like, watch this video. And um, seeing his growth, just maturity-wise. And um, seventh grade, sixth grade, he was just a little dude. Had one pullback move that he tried to do on everybody. Seventh grade, the kid shot 90%. And pick up games. Like he would not miss. This is a year where he had some a pretty good, you know, class above him who could hoop. And then eighth grade year, which is he was just on a different level. What he's doing now, he was doing in eighth grade in mm-hmm. court. And uh yeah, those three kids, their work ethic is what made them different. They just love being on the court, super coachable, uh, focused and driven. Like they they knew they they know they're going to the NBA. There's no doubt, question, right, anything right. about it. And every behavior they have is focused on that. They don't spend time doing anything else but trying to get to the NBA. Right. So, no, those no that's cool, man. To be able to see them before is always a, a bless. You know I, I, that's why I made my mark in this middle school ground. It's like everybody wants the next, you know, they see them in high school or, you know, right. the next pro is like, I want them before – they start smelling their own poop right. and before their parents want free training because that's mm-hmm. what starts to happen. And I'm like, nah, let's, let's focus on this middle school and thank God, man, I'm, I'm so grateful for Johnny and his dad and trusting me because I had him, I had Taryn Frank, who was a beast and uh, who was Dylan DePino, who was a beast back mm-hmm. then. Like, I had some dudes come into the program right away and it, it just uh, helped. Then I had Sky, then I had Dusty, then I had then, then I, you know, just kept on flowing right, with right, right. those high level players. Um, and that's not a knock on any of the other middle schools because they, man, there's some some kids who are really good. That's like Dusty Stromers and yeah. Brady Dunn, I play some kids in that. So, um, but those three, definitely. No, I mean, it was my name. Was like, what made you create for a prep? Because, like you said, you do have a, uh, like, now you already have a great roster. Like, in 10 years from now, you could really sit back and be like, yo, it's crazy. These guys were. <laughs> Before, so you know, a lot of people like, and myself included, have a lot of great ideas, but they're always seeing through. What made you decide to really just like work prep? So I was a, just training at the time. Um, had pretty pretty good amount of clients, and where I could just be a full time basketball trainer. And I was trying to figure out how to make money throughout the day. Literally, from you know, I'll train somebody in the morning, but from eight to two p.m., eight a.m. two p.m., I'll sit at home and do nothing. I was watching my shows or. I don't know, running errands. I wasn't doing anything. And I, I hate not being productive. 
And so um, I was actually planning on doing a fifth year prep school um, with with a, another basketball training service. And um, I was developing that. And we realized that California real estate is just too high to do it, right? And it's tough to run a prep school the way that other people run it out, out of the state. And so I had the framework for this school and basketball mixed together. And so Johnny's dad came to me and said, hey, Johnny wants to do homeschool so he can train more for basketball. And I was, I was like, oh, I could put something together like that. So I put it together. I was, I just had become the assistant at Heritage Christian that's 10 years ago. And so uh, I found out they had a online service for their school, but it was accredited through their school. And so they made sure everything was accredited. So I took their homeschool curriculum and um, put together this PDF. It used to be called Core Hoops. Core Hoops Preparatory Academy. Mm-hmm. And it was like military. We had a dog tag with it on there back in the day. And uh, we uh, I put that together. I had 15 people show up to a meeting and eight families signed up. And then we were a homeschool program that first year. And I was like, I'm never doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Driving around my little Civic and, uh, you know, I was their teacher, their mentor, uncle, all that. Yeah, <laughs> too much. Right, so right. partnering with the school where they have their classes on on campus. And we just took that those PE periods and elective periods to do the training. And the school agreed to it. And we went from 8, 18, 28, 32, 72. And, you know, we're at one, between two schools now, we have 200 kids, 220 kids in the program. And so we do all sports now. But right. it's, it happened because there was a need that needed to be filled for one of my players. Mm-hmm. That's how it was for me. It was like, yo, Johnny needed that. I'll do it. I ain't doing nothing. Right. It's perfect. It's like, you know, you pay me a little something too on top of that. Let's go. Right. And it, it happened. And it's just, yeah, it turns to a different beast every year. It's talking about continuing to grow and perseverance. Right. Woo. Woo. It's a lot, but because these kids, they've changed. They've changed. Well, you know? Yes. I, I can't go back to the money. Yes, you want some money and fame, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And a quick story about Johnny, and I don't know if it's gonna happen, but he didn't classify up. I was that was my number one target to take a break from the Compton Magic and bring me Webb. You know, I had lunch with the daddy and everything. That was my middle bit. I thought, but I don't think it would happen because that Compton Magic situation was was amazing. It was great. You know what I'm saying? He was in that class with the Mobley. That's crazy. Oh, that whole group of kids making. I have all probably touched the NBA or will touch the NBA. I think they all touch the NBA. Yeah. So, the starting five out. The yeah. starting five are in the league. So, um, you know, of course, I got my internal Nike Adidas beast, but not with Atope and Spoon and deal with Compton Magic. I definitely take my hat off to them for that. So, no, absolutely. There, and you see it. Um, I think they're very selective of who, you know, they have and they take care of them, though. Um, no, no, they, they, Elijah's they, they, there now. They're taking care of them. We have uh, Dylan Shaw, one of our players at Heritage mm-hmm. Christian. Man, they take care of those kids, man, and and they do it the right way. I can't fight it. No, as man, as long as you help the kids and you don't have the right way, I ain't mad. That's that's nah, what it's about. Right, it's supposed to be what's about, but yeah, know, that, that John, the Johnny reclassifying thing was crazy. Yeah, because it was. I want. I went to go watch him play Alamany. It was like one of the last league games for Mission League, um, and he's just like just dominating. And I mean, his dad talked, and he's just like. I think it's time for him to go on. Like high school is too easy. He wants to be challenged. It wasn't like he he wasn't losing games or anything right, like right, that. Right. It was just no, for right. Johnny personally, where he wants to be in the league, so he wants to play again, better competition. And I was like, man, it's reclassifying. Well, 
And he was like, wait, we can do that? Absolutely. We reclassified and great. We go back up. And um helping helping with that whole situation because it was it had to happen fast. And it happened had to happen yeah. the right way for him to go to Kentucky. And you know, yeah, Kentucky, Kansas, and Virginia. Like, hey, if you reclassify, we're taking right. That's not a bad that's not a bad opportunity right, right. anyway. You see it. And he turned it out, figured it out, you know. At UCLA, at the end of the day, yeah, it it, 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 what, it, it wasn't picture perfect, but yep. you had to come home and shine for sure. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Nice, big guy. Awesome. So that's your camera right there. You're gonna talk to the people. We have a 24 second shot clock. How to get connected with Air West or anything else that you want to tell the people in general? Well, you know, Air West. You can connect with us on IG at Air West A I R underscore West of E S T. Um, my Instagram is Dion underscore LA. Yeah, just tap in. We just created a hometown favorites, uh, hoops paid. So just trying to keep all the basketball stuff going. So what's hometown favorites? How's that? What is that exactly? So hometown favorites is the clothing line that the real created. Oh, yeah. and, um, and then we used the name for our Julie team. At first we didn't really connect the two, but as things that, you know, we've uh, grown, it's only right that we, you know, make it, Seamless, so uh, and it's not all the way connected, but Darrell's involved with the clothing line and Darrell the line involved with the uh, team, so we're hometown favorites. And we used to be called the Kings of LA, but we changed the name to Hometown Favorites in 2017. So, awesome, yeah. awesome. So, man, thank you for being on the show, no, brother. Man, I man. You, yeah, I appreciate this, yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Peace.